Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, or Delta 8. If you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or just an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for, and they have a staff dedicated to helping you live a better life. So uh, if you have any questions about these products or their health benefits, don't hesitate to reach out to Artisan Botanicals, 405 458 96 99. Uh, you can order online artisanbotanicals.com. They have a drive through if you want to pick up in person. Uh, it's easy and safe pickup. Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. My guest today is founder and CEO of Loop, the sports card app. He is Eric Doty. My guest today is founder and CEO of Loop, the sports card app, uh, Eric Doty. Uh, first of all, Eric, how does it feel to hear? Founder and CEO before your name. <laughs> uh, probably a dream come true, if I'm being honest. Uh, I think I've I think I've thought about running my own company since I was in college. So it's ni- nice that it finally happened. So you uh, you have started this app. I know it's relatively new, but you guys have had a lot of success early on. For those that are not familiar with Loop, uh, just kind of share what what it is and how you're helping people, you know, I guess the community in general, as far as sports cards go. Yeah. So if you're really going to distill it down, um, we, we like to say it's like a card show or card shop in your pocket, but from, from our side, we, we like to look at it as a, an app that allows small businesses to grow their business and sell to audiences that they normally wouldn't get. So a card shop who may be doing live sales or live breaks on Instagram, they're really fighting to find an audience and it takes a long time to to build that up. And really they can stream with us. And then the first night we just throw all of our card collectors on the app into their stream. And uh, I feel like it's, it's completely reinvented what live live interactive card experiences are because they were spread out over Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, etc. And we really just focused on if you're selling cards over live video, what do you need that the other platforms won't build? And yeah, I think I think we've we've taken a lot of like small card businesses and been able to to really invest in them and build them up. And that's been super satisfying for us. I noticed you guys do a lot of live breaks. Um, it's it's wild to me how addictive that is to watch. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think just for clarity too, I think a lot of people think of breaks as you buy a team or you buy a spot in a box and it's open or a case break. And we definitely have some of that, but I mean, our breaks are mostly just personals. Like you buy a pack and you open it and then you buy another pack, you buy a box or watch other people um, do personals. And yeah, it's the social element is what really gets me is if I was in a room with no one and bought a pack, like whether I got a hit or not, I'd probably be like, okay, that's, that's cool. I might buy another, but having the social element of people like rooting you on and congratulating you. And I, I think of it a lot um of like cheers like the sports the sports bar kind of comparison is just like when you walk in everybody looks at you and goes hey it's you and then you kind of do the back to them and they all kind of like 
you know, they, it's it's a very social experience, yeah. and that to me is the most powerful aspect of the app, and it's it's so much fun. The, the vision I get in my head is like being in Vegas at the craps table and, and you, you hit and all these strangers are around you, like celebrating your win. Like that's kind of the way that I, I imagine these things. Yeah. And we, we definitely look at experiences similar in, let's say you're buying a pack, you're buying a box, kind of our, our big vision is what does everyone else do while you're doing that? And I think the, the social element is step one. And everyone loves it but if you i i'm not going to give you all the secrets of the next two years of loop but um, sure. we think a lot around what does everyone else do and how do we keep everyone else super engaged in that experience so it, it kind of walk me through like how this thing came to fruition what was the idea were you were you frustrated with uh what you were currently <laughs> experiencing and wanted something better or like you know how did this all come together for you so November of 2019, I had already been getting back into cards quite a bit. And, you know, as a, as a collector that just started like building, rebuilding his collection, because my parents threw all my cards out like four or five years ago <laughs> from my childhood. Uh, all those, all those Jeter rookies are now, oh. now in a landfill somewhere. Um, but yeah, I started rebuilding my collection and it was like some night, it was like 11 p.m. midnight in November. And I had this idea for an app and there was there were a few different features, some we haven't released yet, but we still plan to. And I, I have a, a really good buddy of mine that's an engineer and he moved to France and I'm texting him at like at 3 a.m. my time in LA, it was probably like morning for him. And I'm texting him for like three hours. I'm like, dude, I'm thinking about this. How hard would it be to do this? How do you, I mean, he was a founder of a previous company too. So he had a lot of experience with that. I'm like, do I really want to quit my job and pursue this? And he helped me build a prototype, you know, January, February rolls around. I'm like, all right, I'm in, I'm going to quit my job as a head of product um, at a, at a startup, you know, give up a pretty good salary and potential bonus because I was just so into this idea. And, you know, I started, started the company in March. We, we hired someone to come on and like build out the MVP of the app and just kind of get it into beta and somewhat launch ready. And it just took off from there. Like we started getting investments, started building up um, buyers in the app and sellers, and it just has not stopped. Like it's just every month we just hit new milestones of, of sellers and um, amount of buyers and time watched and sales. And it's really, you know, we're only as successful as our sellers. You know, we, it's a, at the end of the day, it is a, you know, we talk about community, but it's a B2B app. Like we are setting up businesses for success. Um, so we really gauge all of our success on how much are they growing their businesses are they happy and yeah in the last again we've only been out for seven months it feels like two years um but yeah it's been it's been non-stop we're hiring and and i honestly i couldn't ask for a better better launch so you said the idea came in november 2019 you start the process the pandemic happens like what was the impact <laughs> of the pandemic on you know this whole process you know, this global pandemic is right. like a tiny footnote of that. Um, 
Yeah, I was definitely planning on getting an office in LA and building a team there. Um, there's a, you know, there's a big tech scene in, in parts of LA. Pandemic hits and totally threw that out the window. Uh, we raised all of our angel checks and our seed round. I haven't met any of those investors, which is unheard of. Like you, you don't pitch and get checks that size without being in person. Um, so we, you know, just totally changed the landscape of startups, investments, even beyond like a personal level, like just the whole world changed. So our whole team is remote right now. Um, and even some of our, the only team members I've met are people that I knew before we started this company. Um, everyone else I've never met in person. That's amazing. Um, did you feel like there was a surge in the hobby before the pandemic? Because I think most people kind of attribute the rise of, of everything we've kind of witnessed over the last like year to the pandemic and people not having things to do and going through old cards and just kind of like rediscovering the hobby, so to speak. Did you feel like that was already trending toward that direction before the pandemic and then that like supercharged it? Or do you think it was just strictly the pandemic and people being at home? No, I think I think you put it the right way there. I think it was it was already trending up. It was growing. The the pandemic accelerated it. I think you know, I when I look at businesses, it's very easy to say like, oh, there was a bubble and then it popped. You know, whenever there's right. ebb and flow to markets, people tend to overreact. So it's it's good to think of it as like ranges. So I think without the pandemic the card market would have been on the rise and still very successful. The pandemic obviously increased that, even potentially, like you could say exponentially, but I think it would have got there anyway. Um, but, you know, as a company that just started, <laughs> um, I, I can, you know, if, if I'm going to take one positive away from this is obviously it helped our business a lot. Um, now, if, <laughs> I don't want anybody to get mad at me. Like, obviously, if the world could have been in a much better place, like, yes, I totally get it. That that would have been the better thing. Right. But if I'm going to walk away with a win, I'm going to take it. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. And the I I think the market still has plenty of room to grow. Um, and again, it's that ebb and flow. I think the card market is very, very different than it was two, three decades ago. And now you have like this whole NFT <laughs> market yeah. on the rise and you have top shot and i think you're looking at a whole um couple generations of investors and collectors who are now looking at alternative assets as like a whole new category that they're really excited about yeah i was about to ask you kind of touched on it there you know two or three decades ago obviously i think when we were younger you know we, we witnessed the rise and I, I don't want to say fall but you know drastic drop in uh, the hobby, like what lessons do you think were learned from the eighties and nineties that are applied to the hobby today, as far as keeping, keeping it as relevant as it's become over the last year? Yeah. So there's obviously tops and panini have changed a lot in their inserts and autos and numbering and, and all of that. So there, there is a subset of cards that obviously have a much higher value um, I still think people need to be, they need to educate themselves. And that's also something that we're focusing on a lot is, and, and I say this to everyone, because I, I have a 
I've had friends that reach out to me like, oh, wow, cards have blown up. Loop is doing great. I want to get in. And my first advice is buy cards that you just really like. Like if that card is worth nothing, you don't care because you really like that player or you like that card design or you like the fact that you collected a set, you know, things like that. Like go for the personal satisfaction first. And then as you look to invest, um, you know, if you're looking for a long-term return, look at things like the Staples, the Kobe's, the LeBron's, the Jordan's, the Tiger Woods, you know, the, the generational talent. And then below that, I think there's, you know, are you betting on Luca to be the next LeBron in 10 to 20 years? And you're going to hold that card. And you're like, are you willing to buy a Microsoft stock and then not look at that stock again for <laughs> right. a decade? Like you have to have that mentality if you're sitting there tracking every little blip on the graph um you're going to make really bad decisions because you're going to be impulsive or you're going to you're going to look at that graph when you're drunk or you're up at 3 a.m and your mind's not <laughs> in a good place so um you really need to think about it like an investor and so i think it's a combination of re-educating people about expectations of what what type of return do you want as well as, again, Thompson Panini and all the card producers have definitely changed how they make cards and create rarity within the larger mainstream card sets. Like, you know, there's a difference between Topps Finest and Topps Opening Day. Like, they're just two very different products. Yeah, uh, if you can find any of that. I mean, to be honest. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen a pack of cards. Actually, I, I, on opening day, so so I started this tradition with my my young son for the last two years. On opening day, we've like gone and, and bought baseball cards and, you know, we're watching all the games and we're opening packs and it's just kind of like this tradition that I wanted to start with him. And I, I, I genuinely thought that this year there was no way uh, I was going to be able to, to do that with him. And luckily... Uh, we happened to to come across some on that morning, and so we were we were shredding packs all day. But uh, I mean, it's it's amazing to me. Target even quit selling cards for crying out loud uh, mm -hmm. because of, of the madness. Yeah, I thought it was an overreaction until I saw a couple of the videos, and I'm like, all right, that's that's <laughs> that's justified. <laughs> but you know what? That's when you're like, hey, you can go buy those at Loop instead of Target. Um, what did you yeah, collect? Yeah. Like, what was there? There was a there was a small benefit there. Absolutely, like, there's a there is always availability on loop every every day from like 10 a.m. to 3 a.m. What did you collect growing up? Mostly baseball, uh, a lot of upper deck. Just I I mean I remember that little the little foil diamond. I mean that that that's just stuck with me for so long. Um, we had one, one card shop. I, so I grew up, I grew up on a dairy farm in the middle of nowhere in Western New York. So there wasn't, <laughs> I didn't really get to go to pro sports games. Um, and you know, cards were my big thing and you, you could buy them at like Walmart or Kmart. We had one card shop that I didn't even know existed until like, I was probably starting to get out of cards and super into video games. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it. I, I'm trying to think. I think the Jeter rookie was probably the one that stuck in my head the most because I just collected – I had so many of him. I had, like, the normal. I had the gold, which, again, cannot believe oh. my parents threw out. Uh, <laughs> the uh, 
but yeah, even later when I was starting to get out of cards, I think I had like a Marshawn Lynch rookie card um, just because it was like, you know, occasionally there's those players that pop up and you're like, all right, I'll go grab one and, and just have it because it's cool. Um, I think I even had a Ken Griffey Jr. poster on my wall. <laughs> like it was even not being able to like have a ton of access to pro sports where I live, like those key figures definitely stood out. And as a kid, you're, I mean, I played like four different sports as a kid and you're, you're always looking for the aspirational, like, who do I want to be? Who do I want to mimic my swing after, which I could never get Griffey swing down. I don't think anybody can. (laughs) We all tried it in the backyard though, right? With the wiffle ball bat. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Backwards hat. You spin the hat around wiffle ball bat. You, in your mind, you perfected it. Um, I, you know, it's funny to me because I, I, you know, you, you get, uh, old enough to drive and, and maybe your interest changes a little bit. Uh, you're, you're more interested in girls and, you know, like for me at least like sports cards around 16, like quit becoming the focus. And, um, Mm. luckily I never got rid of my collection. I, I, I still have it, but there was like a 10 year period probably where I didn't buy cards at all. And then I just remember one day I, I happened to be on eBay looking for something and I stumbled across cards and I was like, Oh, this is so cool. And you know, at that point, like, to me, it was just mind blowing that you could, you could just go buy anything you wanted to buy. And there were so many cards that like, I felt like as a kid, I regretted trading to my friends and I, you know, so I, I went back like on eBay for years and, and bought all these cards that I really liked. And I, I probably traded away for some reason or another. Uh, and that kind of re-sparked my interest, but you know, I, I have multiple friends that, are buyers and sellers of cards today and they they hate eBay with a passion as far as just how the evolution of card selling on that platform has gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I struggle. I mean, I, I still buy a ton off eBay because I'm looking for specific cards, but it is a struggle because I'm impatient. So like, oh, I want that card <laughs> and I have to fight for it, but it doesn't end for three days. I want to buy it right now. Right. But then you look at the buy it now options and they're, you know, the prices are way out of being reasonable or they accept an offer, but you don't know if they're actually going to get back to the offer or accept it. Um, it it's rough. Like it, it doesn't serve a very, my personality type, which is super impulsive. Um, <laughs> it doesn't serve me well. Uh, Cause I'm, I'm going through that too. I'm trying to buy a, a Jim Kelly rookie card um PSA 10 and they're all over the place and I'm just like I just why is this such a hassle um I do think loop solves for that somewhat right now and we're going to continue to solve it um we have a lot of single sales we also have what we call market value repacks so on eBay you see these all the time it's a super it's a poor listing I, I they shouldn't be allowed to do it but it says like Luca and then you read the description and it's like, oh, it's like a 50 repack set yeah. that they created. And one has Luca and all the rest have terrible cards. Right. So we do, we, all of our sellers, we enforce um, what we call loop market value repacks. So if you buy a thousand dollar repack, mm-hmm. it has a thousand, like you could turn around and sell those on eBay and get about a thousand dollars if somebody was to buy those at market value. Um, That's awesome. So I like doing that a lot because I feel like I get a good slabbed card or multiple slab cards that I probably want for my PC anyway, but I don't have, like I get them right then. Like I know what they are and then they get shipped to me in a couple days um, versus, you know, I've 
I bought slabs on eBay and they come like in a white envelope. <laughs> like there's not even cardboard on either side. And and that's that's frustrating too, is you finally get that deal and then you have to deal with the fact like, oh, is the seller actually responsible and it's gonna be packed well? Right. Or is it gonna get here and be like absolutely shredded from the mail system? Or it's rubber banded to cardboard. How about that one? That's that's <laughs> one of my favorites. Yeah. Or or as everyone complains on Twitter, the uh the just tape. <laughs> Like just like scotch tape right. on a top order, or, or right. my favorite, uh, I saw. I personally haven't had this. Luckily, it was like in a penny sleeve, and then it was all taped to like a piece of cardboard around all the edges. I've had that. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, that's that's a fun that's one as well. It's not as bad as literally the rubber band like grinding on the sides. Uh, that that one to me has been the worst experience I've had. But uh, yeah, it's it, it, you and and. I think the thing with eBay, I mean, you can, they, there's obviously seller ratings, but mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's, there's not really anything like saying, Hey, this person is, is trustworthy necessarily. So there's, there is an element to me. I always feel like of gambling somewhat with like what I'm buying there. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's like the worst feeling. The, the, the gamble is on the fact that is this person taking this seriously? Right. Um, yeah, and we, you know, I think that's a good segue is the fact that we vet all of our sellers. Right. Like if you if you download the app today, you can't just sell. Um, we have a backlog of 200 plus people that have applied, and I'm sure many of them are are great, but we only do one to three a week because we go through. We're we're building business partnerships that I want to have for three plus years, and you know we want to build their business up for them. So I can't do 50 people overnight. Right. I, I know we're, we're making sure that you have all the right paperwork, that you're registered business, that you have a history of selling cards and getting inventory and people trust that you ship them. And, and, and also we just kind of, we naturally see standards. So if somebody is really, and we've noticed a lot of our sellers buy from each other too, because I think they like testing each other, especially when they're new um, and they see how everyone else packages because that's a that's an advantage too if absolutely you, if you buy something and you you have a great customer experience and the end you want to buy from that person again and all of our sellers understand that so they all kind of elevate each other because there's a there's a almost a natural competitiveness of like i want to be as good as them um which again going back is you don't see that on ebay it's just like they want to sell as fast as possible get it out the door and Sometimes your card suffers because of that, and then you have to go through the the return process, which is a nightmare. Has the has the grading halt basically impacted you guys at all? Like, is that are there any effects on on what you're seeing? I think in two ways. One is I think it it bumped up the prices on some slabs. You know, modern base rookie cards nice had a nice little bump. Yeah. Um, those will go down as all those new cards come into the system, which we knew would happen. Like, how many tops flagship Boba Shet cards are we going to have flood the market in PSA 9 and 10 over the next right. month? Um, which is good for me because I collect Boba Shet and we'll t- take them at a cheaper price. Um, the other is, you know, we had just signed um, with PSA. So we were getting ready to do our own submissions and then that hit and we're like, all right, we'll, we'll wait till July. 
Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say that like negatively impacted us. It was more of just okay, we have to wait. Um, and I think it was the right decision by them because man, the the numbers I've heard are ridiculous. Like yeah. just the the influx of cards that they had sitting waiting to be graded. Um, and you, it, it's really hard, especially when you're a legacy business, whether it's it's PSA, Beckett, um, even if you're thinking like SGC. Um, to anticipate the market. I mean, we all knew it was growing, but it was like a 30 to 60 day period where it just kind of like flipped. And you yeah. just seemed like everyone was sending their cards in. Um, so I think I think they did what was best for them. And I think the market will be fine once everything starts kind of like getting back into the groove of things. Have you uh, have you had any like Wayne Gretzky, like Opeachy $3.7 million sales or whatever that went for the other day? That was That was insane. <laughs> Our biggest sale on loop so far was a, uh, we had a Topps Chrome Jay-Z Auto, which I think sold for 25,000. Um, we've had other cards go, go for like eight, 10,000. We haven't done a million yet. <laughs> um, I need to actually see, technically our system should support it, but you know, Having a system that technically has no limit and actually testing it with a million dollar card, we'll <laughs> right. see. Um, but no, I think the the pure volume of cards though and the nightly sales um, continue to grow at like a very accelerated rate. Um, like we're setting records all the time. But I I'd like to beat our twenty five thousand dollar goal we'll, or uh, record, but we'll see. <laughs> As far as I know, you said you don't want to reveal everything that's that's coming in the future, but like, what what do you want to see as far as the evolution of this app? So if I'm I'm looking at the immediate future, education is huge, both of the market and of the app. Um, we get a lot of people who are they've never done a live break or anything before. They've at best used eBay. And they're coming in and this is just completely foreign to them. Um, so trying to educate those people um, who maybe are new collectors or they've just never done live, interacted with live stream before, that's big for us. Um, also the the tracking aspect. Um, we we actually have a feature that when when a seller ships a product, they add a tracking number and there's actually you can look at your purchase history and there's a little truck icon and when you tap it, it shows you that. And that surprisingly has been like a huge differentiator for us, just how simple it is. So we're actually investing time into building that out even more to be more robust in how it represents your, your shipment. Yeah. And like, so it's less of a tap and more of like this little experience, um, how you interact with the live video and, and, make those in the shareable moments. Those are all kind of like phase one. Um, we, we basically have three phases of our product and phase one is kind of all the expected plus like simple robust features that kind of take it to the next level. Phase two is where it gets really cool where we can serve, you know, we get, we get requests for features every day in email. Um, and I think a lot of people are gonna be really surprised what phase two looks like because right now we are really serving the brick and mortar stores or the big online sellers of cards um, who already have these like pretty robust um, businesses going. 
And it's very easy to onboard them because they already have inventory. They know how to do all of, they run a business. It's easy. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to get to. And I think phase two is going to step back a bit and be like, okay, how do we bring more of those features to the everyday collector? And that's probably as much as I'm comfortable saying right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, But, you know, the next 60 days um, are going to be huge for us leading up and through the national is kind of a big, you know, putting our foot down, like loop is here. Loop is a valuable product and brand in the, in the hobby. And we just want to bring value to all of you. And then the rest of the year is kind of like, now that you know us, let's, let's kind of blow your minds and do things different. I love that you said information because I feel like there are, so, you know, again, when, when you look at the rise of the hobby over the last year, a lot of it is because there are so many people that are rediscovering their love for it. But at the same time, it's a completely different, you know, world entirely than maybe when they collected originally. Yeah, and we, we get that all the time. Uh, I, I laugh because I, I think of there's one buyer on loop who's actually grown into a pretty big collector but loop was his reintroduction to the hobby in probably 20 years um so we i I was actually emailing him because he emailed support and was asking all these questions that were good questions but i was laughing because it's things that we take for granted right collectors we we've already done the research we know the answers to these but as a newbie he had no idea so i was explaining values of cards and differences between the lines and, and what difference between a base card and you know rare varieties and it really came down to like what are you even looking for in in the what's available but also once you open a pack what are you looking for and that really you know flipped the switch in my mind of there are probably hundreds of people thousands of people that need this education but they can't all have these one-on-one conversations right. with me. Exactly. So I think that's that's something we really need to focus on. That's awesome. Eric, uh, I appreciate your time. This is a really cool app. Uh, I'm really excited, obviously, about the hobby. And, uh, you know, congrats to you for building this thing. This is this is pretty, like, insane to me. Thank you. We, we have a team of nine now, I believe. Uh, it grows every week, it seems. So, I mean, huge shout out to the team. I, this this would not have grown as big as it has without them. And obviously our, our you know, 30 plus sellers, like, again, like I, I thank them probably weekly. <laughs> you know, th- this is this is only taking off because of them being on the platform and really pushing it. So uh, thank you for having me on. I, I'm just really excited to see people at the National. It'll be my first one, going to meet my team members in person, (laughs) Uh, our sellers, you know, it's, it's going to be a big, big event for us. That's awesome. Eric Doty, founder and CEO of Loop Sports Card App, joining me on the Colby Daniels podcast. Once again, big thanks to Eric Doty, founder and CEO of Loop, the sports card app for joining me on the Colby Daniels podcast. If you don't have the app already, make sure you download it. Just search Loop sports card app. Uh, It's easy to find. Uh, it's, it's such a cool deal. So I'm glad that Eric was able to, uh, to join me today and share that information. This is the Colby Daniels podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest city. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, or Delta eight. If you're unfamiliar with these products or their health benefits, don't hesitate to reach out to Artisan Botanicals, 405 405- 
They have a staff dedicated to helping you live a better life. So if you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or just an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for. Once again, 405-458-9699. Plus, it's easy to order online, abotanicalcompany.com. That's abotanicalcompany.com, Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Everybody, stay safe, have a great day, and I will see you tomorrow. Okay. <laughs>